Hi, Michael. Hi. 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 It's so good to see you. Oh, you're so perky today. I am feeling very perky today. Well, I'll tell you why. I can tell you why. Tell me why. Okay. So, Grunge Girl had a really awful day. Just dealing with bureaucracy, dealing with things So, not... it's pure schadenfreude. No, no, no. <laughs> Let me finish, please. <laughs> Let me finish. So, I just did a good boyfriend, you know, move. Oh, what did you do? I comforted her, said everything was all right. And I said, come on, I have to go to Staples to get something printed. Why don't we go to the shoe store? Next to it, we'll get your get your some winter boots. We got her some winter boots. I brought her the boots. She tried on the boots. We even went to the clearance section. Got mm-hmm. some nice clearance shoes for her as well. And we go up to the register, and I paid for it. That is a excellent boyfriend maneuver. Yeah. So I feel like I'm like I'm kind of feeling good. You know, I feel like yeah. Oh. You're like oh, look at me. Check me out. Yeah, check me out. Buying my girlfriend's shoes. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I did a pretty good job. And I just got my micro spikes in the mail, you know, like crampons. Have you heard of these? They're called crampons. Oh, for like snow, for like climbing? Well, well, they're just for like walking on ice. Okay, got it. I knew they were for some kind of outdoorsy shit. They're just like for walking on ice. So it's like spikes you strap onto your feet. That's cool. Ice cleats. Yeah, they're ice cleats, and they're so satisfying to walk around the crunchy ice on, so, you know, yeah. I've been enjoying that. You're a crunchy girl now. As the curly girls out there know, being crunchy is part of the routine. You gotta crunch. You gotta crunch right. your hair. Crunch and plump. The old crunch and plump. Crunch and plop. Oh, it's plop, not plump? No, not plump. Wow. Silly me. How could I misunderstand something so obvious? You don't know the first thing about being a girl <laughs> so true so accurate how are you Hashem, i'm well i had a funny day today i went to the dentist to get the second half of my deep gum cleaning oh. and i wore a kippa to the dentist which i did not last time and i ended up finding out that my dentist is jewish he is gonna listen to our podcast <gasps> oh, no. maybe he asked he has the name of our podcast so if you're out there you know who you are and thank you for listening. You're a great dentist. So I had a dentist time today, which was, of course, exhausting because the dentist is just an exhaust. Like, even the best dentist experience is exhausting. And my boyfriend went to get a PCR test to sort of follow up on our whole COVID scare just as a safety measure. So, you know, it was sort of a tizzy today. I picked up a, a new little computer game, the premise of which is the humans are dead and mm. now the beavers have inherited the earth. You control a society of beavers building their civilization. Oh, I love that. I love that. Right? It's called Timberborn. I've only played it for about 30 minutes, but it's been a great 30 minutes. Oh, that's cool. I just got a book that I've read before, but I wanted to get my own copy. It's a book that teaches you how to like kind of read the forest landscape of New England and kind of like determine what preceded the forest. Like, was it ever, you know, farmland? You know, what was there before? Oh, that's a cool book. Yeah. And one of the chapters is just devoted to like, did beaver related activity ever go down? (laughs) Have beavers been partying in your yard? Read this book to find out. Basically, yeah. It's like, these are the 
clear signs that beavers of an have ancient been beaver civilization. Beaver hieroglyphs. That's the thing, because it's not just like, oh, there's a tree that looks like it was put in a pencil sharpener. It's like, right. oh, like the silty soil presence of this and that. It's like ancient <laughs> reveals beavers. that the beavers built the pyramids. It's like ancient alien beavers was Great. what I'm reading about. What your game is about is about future alien beavers. Yes. Very cute. I love it. And there's two factions of beavers. I haven't unlocked the second one yet, but basically you can be like the nature beavers or the beavers who have forsaken nature and chosen science. Oh, wow. So it's pretty fun. That's going to be my Shabbat entertainment. Oh, wow. Okay. So yeah, overall, I'm feeling good. The Talmud world is cooking. That mysterious halakha question I mentioned on our patron episode is cooking. That's great. I got contacted by someone who wants to come on the show today that I'm excited to have on the show. So everything is just cooking in a good way. Everything is in the pot, simmering, and I'm simmering with it. Okay, cool. We're making stone soup here. That's right. Stoned soup. All right. That's enough non-pod business. Yeah. What are we doing today? What are we doing today? Well, we've been, as you know, in a slew of guest episodes, taking a vacation from our advice format, but we're done with that. Yeah, I'm excited to be back to basics. Back to basics. Back to basics. This is a great question for that. So we are answering a question from a listener, and here it is. Hi, Hava. I listened to your episode on women covering their hair recently while binging on that sweet queer drosh, and as a trans woman, I enjoyed it. However, as a footch trans woman, I prefer kipot to headscarves. Is there any Talmud I can provide to people asking why I wear kipot roughly daily while maintaining a strongly feminine identity? So mm-hmm, basically mm-hmm. the deal is what's up What's up with kippahs? What's up with yarmulkes and the gender play of them? Kippahs slash yarmulkes are commonly understood to be, by many outside Judaism and many within, to be a sort of masculine Jewish adornment. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we are going to... Dive into some facts about that today. Okay, cool. I feel like this is very retro. I feel like this is very, like, second wave. I wonder if this question has been answered already by a bunch of, like, Jewish feminists in the 70s and stuff like that. Right. It's very vintage in a certain way. Which I love. I love vintage. Yeah. I'm sure other people have talked about it, but not as fabulously as we're going to. Yeah, okay. So the first thing I thought I'd do is introduce us to one of the sort of originary texts of the Kippa, which is something many people wonder about. So on Kiddushin 31a, we read, Here's the deal. Rabbi Yehoshua ben Levi says, It is prohibited for a person to walk even four cubits with an arrogant posture. As it is stated, the entire world is full of Hashem's glory, which is a pasuk from Isaiah 6. So basically... The world is full of Hashem's glory. If you're walking around with an arrogant attitude, then that is sort of, in some sense, contradictory to the omnipresence of God's glory. You're disrespecting God. You're, you're disrespecting God by even... With your strut. With, with your strut. Okay. Yeah. So, Rav Huna, the son of Rav Yehoshua, would not walk four cubits with an uncovered head. As he said, the Shekhinah is above my head, and I must act respectfully. So... This is one of the sort of original seeds of where we get yarmulkes is this guy, Rav Huna, 
son of Rabbi Yehoshua, who said he would not walk even four cubits with an uncovered head. So to me, in context, it reads almost like a stringency on top of the arrogant posture. Like not only is he not being arrogant, he's specifically being humble by like wearing a physical reminder of the Shekhinah at all times. Well, this is interesting because, I mean, I'm assuming this idea evolved, but if you were to ask the question now of, well, then why can't women wear wear kippot? Is it because that they actually are like powerful Amazons, (laughs) Amazonian, like they deserve to be prideful because like their essence matches that of Hashem? Or is it because, oh, like those little ladies, they're so dumb. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's like a prideful child. It can't hardly be offensive. So what form of misogyny is it? Well, we'll get into that a little bit. But I wanted to say there is another origin story with Kippas about a rabbi who basically a fortune teller said they were going to grow up to be a thief. And there's this whole tale about how having the kippah prevented them from becoming a thief. But that's not the one I chose to dive into today because I've heard it a lot more often than this one with Rav Huna. So I wanted to bring out the sort of deeper cuts. First, before I tell you why why some people might think women are not supposed to wear kippot, which is whack in my opinion, I will just say one Super quick thing from Mission to Torah from Rambam. We read from him, Tsniut Gedola Tamidecha Chamim Batsman, Lo Yitbazu, Wolo Yitkalu Roshan, Wolo Gufan. The Tamidecha Chamim, the students of the sages, conduct themselves with an abundance of modesty. They shouldn't degrade themselves and they should not uncover their heads nor their bodies. The positive I'm providing here is basically that. Maimonides is basically saying this idea of head covering is an aspect of modesty displayed by Talmidei Chachamim, students of the sages. So a positive answer you could supply to anyone who might ask is like, if you perchance want to consider yourself amongst that group of people who are trying to act with modesty, that is the sort of origin of this practice. There's irony here. There's like, okay, so you only wear the kippot if you are part of that learned club to show your modesty. So you're <laughs> signaling that you're part of a high status organization. I guess more the way I think of it is like we all aspire to the status of Tomide Chachamim. It's an outside in kind of thing. You know, dress for the job you want, not the job you have, spiritually speaking. Okay. All right. Okay. That that's fair. That's fair. That's why I, I constantly <laughs> dress up as a nun. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that about you. So I'm going to bring this long little English passage. There is this work called Peninei Halacha by Rav Eliezer Melamed, who is a modern halachic scholar. And here's one thing he has to say about this issue. Women do not customarily cover their heads in order to arouse fear of heaven within themselves. As a matter of modesty, married women must cover their hair, but single women are not required to cover their hair for reasons of modesty and do not normally walk around in a head covering like men. Perhaps the reason that women do not need yarmulke is that they naturally find it easier to improve themselves. Men are perhaps bolder, and therefore they need yarmulkes on their heads to restrain and focus this trait. Women, who by nature are more reserved and more modest, have no such need. Oh, okay. So one thing our listener could say if they wanted to be sassy about it is like, 
well, I am not like other women. I am, in fact, bolder, you know, and therefore need a yarmulke to restrain my bold nature. Yeah, well, it's it's very similar <laughs> to one of our first episodes where you were talked about the rabbi, was it Yochanan Ben Zakai, who took a bath, who was like, I'm not like the other men. I can't do the thing that I'm supposed to be doing on this particular high holiday or on Shabbat or something like that. And so he made an excuse for himself by kind of claiming a very feminine attribute about himself. And you can basically do the same thing. Gosh, who was that guy? Oh, Now I need to make sure. It's it's from Bracho. Gamliel. Are you sure? I don't know. Yeah, Gamliel was my first guest because it's definitely someone who's known for being a toughie. Here, let me, I'm, I'm pulling it up really quick. Just have to remember where it is. So it was Gamliel. Okay, cool. It was Gamliel who did it. It's hard to search using the Hebrew term in Safaria, and they could have translated it as frail or fragile or, you know, so sometimes it can be hard to find the right term to search to remember exactly the citation that you want. Anyway, yeah, it does kind of remind me of that as well. And this is a a super common thing that comes up. Something I've been thinking about a lot recently is there's a lot of halakha that masquerades as being about maybe something biological or objective, Mm -hmm. but is actually about a social construction. So for instance, like this, right, many people might think that the division between man and woman is like this objective thing. But the reason for the division of this mitzvah is actually has to do with like some completely subjective ideas about maybe women are just like better at being modest once you like do that once you acknowledge that it actually isn't about man and woman then well if you're a bold futch right i mean that's part of what i was trying to get to with the piece about that maimonides brought about Talmidei Chachamim are modest is like if you are pursuing the values that the kippah represents then these are just some good sources to maybe help demonstrate that the reasons that women have typically not worn yarmulkes are mostly based in sexism and the social construction of gender. Yeah, yeah. And the roles associated with the AFABs and the AMABs and and the assumptions made about their personalities. Right. But yeah, it sounds like if you're an out there, confident, overly confident futch who like... (laughs) isn't respecting, you know, your existential place in Hashem's universe, then I think it's time for you to slap on a yarmulke. A common argument you'll hear against this today is that because a yarmulke has become socially associated with manhood, Mm -hmm. it is a man's garment and therefore forbidden for a woman to wear based on this Torah verse, Deuteronomy 22.5, which reads, Lo kli gever al isha, velo yilbash gever simlat isha, ki kol ele. I like the King James on this. A woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on that which pertaineth to a woman. For so whoever doeth these things is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. Oh. So many people will say, because a yarmulke has become a man's garment over time, mm-hmm. even if women originally weren't forbidden from wearing it, now we have to say they are. And here is what the Talmud says for those people. Here's my answer to that other quandary. We read, let me make sure I have the page citation right, on Nazir 59a. Oh. 
Yeah, I know. It's, it's an out there masechet, isn't it? We don't get here often. I wonder about that a lot, like what makes particular masechtot more popular. Anyway, that's a digression. On Nazir 59a, the Gemara asks, what does the Tana, who has been speaking previously, learn from the verse, a man shall not put on a woman's garment? Because the verse states, a man may not put on a woman's garment, a woman may not put on a man's garment, and it says it's an abomination, but there's no abomination here. It's just the act of wearing a garment. Rather, what it means is a man may not wear a woman's garment and go sit among the women, and a woman may not wear a man's garment and sit among the men. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says, from where is it derived that a woman may not go with weapons to war? The verse states, a woman shall not wear that which pertains to a man, and a man shall not put on a woman's garment, that a man may not adorn himself with the cosmetics of women, and similarly, a woman may not go out for the weapons of war. So there's a lot to question here, but basically the deal is, the Talmud is saying, how... Can this Torah verse possibly say this is an abomination? Because the Talmud has this pretty specific understanding of what the term abomination means, and just wearing a piece of clothing, unfortunately, doesn't qualify to them as an abomination. To make it even more more clear, the way that Rashi clarifies it is what it's forbidden to do is to dress in these garments for the purpose of either spying or committing adultery. So if you are like dressing basically in in a disguise. Okay, 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 okay. Listen. <laughs> Listen, Rashi, okay? And the issue is actually the adultery and not so much the genderedness of the garment. Okay, spying I understand. Fine. Like you 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 could spy on the ladies if you dressed up as a lady and you're a guy. Okay, fine. That's conceivable as a thing. But like everyone like just jumping down each other's pants if they like cross dress <laughs> and will commit adultery or something. Is that like like really, really sexy to everyone? You know, ultimately the problem is they had to deal with this verse and this is the best way they figured out to do it. I think Rashi is projecting his French bullshit onto <laughs> These Babylonian... Yeah, Rashi had his own hobbies, okay? Yeah, this is clearly a Rashi issue. So basically, to boil that all down, the deal that the Talmud and Rashi are telling us is that it's not actually about the genderedness of the garment, it's that what people were doing in Bible times was using these things to commit adultery. Or medieval French times. Or medieval French. The obvious answer to this, right, is our understanding of what constitutes a man and a woman's garment has changed a lot over years and in fact i think we've all collectively reached a point now where for most items of clothing any item of clothing can belong to any gender a yarmulke is not a, a man's garment in any more absolute way than anything else so in summary one way you can go is wearing a kippah you could argue that it's not gendered to begin with it's a, it's actually about humbling yourself and it's perhaps could be used by people who are trying to pursue a humbleness, that particular virtue, because mm -hmm. uh, maybe they struggle with it. So it's a marker of pursuing that virtue. You could go that route. If you were to agree that, okay, maybe it wasn't gendered initially, now it is, you could go deeper and find out that the rabbis in the Talmud actually say, with the help of Rashi, that it's not the actual wearing of the other gender's clothing that's bad. It's the using it for spying and adultery. That's the bad. Thing. Right. Exactly. That was a great summary. Okay, great. Basically, my approach here was to say, one, 
what is a reason to practice it? And two, is there anything that could prevent one from practicing it? Right. So we found out the reason to practice it is a sort of universal Jewish value of humility before Hashem. And the only issue, perhaps, that could come up is the issue of genderedness of clothing, which we dismissed using our sugya from Nazir 59a. So if you ever need to dig up that Talmud, pop over to Nazir 59a, bada bing, bada boom. There's some irony there. How so? Like, if you're an out there queer, you know, who's strutting about, you know, the world, you know, the universe, mm-hmm, God's mm-hmm. universe, and you happen to uh, be of the non-man persuasion, uh-huh. then, yeah, you got to wear the yarmulke, because, like... Your attitude is just too powerful. It's too powerful. Yeah, I mean, I think we could... There's a lot to be said about the specific kind of arrogance that's an is- at issue here. That's true, but, but, but the irony is if, if you're like the, I'm a baby, I'm a baby queer, and I don't know, like, I'm so insecure, but I would like to wear the yarmulke. No, you can't wear the yarmulke because <laughs> you are not struggling with that particular well, virtue. You are humble enough. That's not the way I would read it. The issue is not... If you're already humble enough, you're forbidden. Nowhere in the Talmud is it telling us once you reach humility level 100, you better take that yarmulke off or you're going straight to hell. (laughs) And I will say, to go back to a gender question, halachically, the reason for, quote, men's head covering and, quote, women's head covering, they're quite different rationales. We discussed that in our, our women's head covering episode. So I guess another tack you could take could be to talk about the sexism inherent in some of the halakhic reasoning for women's head covering and sort of not wanting to identify with that. I think there's a lot of ways to attack this question. And at the end of the day, if you have a good reason to, which is cultivating a virtue and there's nothing standing in your way, then pretty much anyone who's who's questioning your shit can fuck off yeah i like it i feel like what you just gave us was a nice sneaky isn't the right word but it's playing by the rules of the rabbis and i like that well what's sneaky is everyone convincing us of the opposite of this over the years right what's sneaky is is the slow enculturation of uh gendered norms in judaism yes sure sure but what i like about your (laughs) sneaky and i mean sneaky in a very positive way when i say that it's sneaky Mm -hmm. i just feel like in contrast i mean you're a sneaky little jew in the best way yeah you're a sneaky sniveling hook-nosed jew in the best way possible i I know thank you no, I just think it's like in comparison to like the orange on the Seder plate 1970s people. I mean, I don't know, but I just imagine that was a lot more like fight the power. And this is very like, I am the power. I own the room. You actually are the problem. Yeah. It is not actually the person who wants to wear the kippah who is the problem. It is the person who has the problem's problem. Yes, yes, yeah. It's right. Yeah, it's, it's not no in this particular situation, no one really has to say, I am uprooting some major principle of Judaism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of my ethical compulsions, which is a beautiful process. Instead, we can just say, like, actually, it's fine. Get over it. Which I like because I'm lazy. I just want to sit on the couch. I'm not actually bad at Judaism. You're actually bad at Judaism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the caddy game that I like playing. And I right. like that. I mean, I haven't read any of the 1970s. Like, Yeah, there's some good stuff. Yeah, I'm sure, some I'm sure there's stuff, some good yeah. stuff. But none of it compares to our podcast. I should probably wear a kippa for saying that. Well, that's all, folks. Thank you, dear listener, for this question. I hope it has been helpful been sufficient for your purposes uh if you have any response we'd love to hear the responses as well so 
you know, blow me away. But I really appreciated this one. It was really fun to research. Yeah, it was really cool. Thank you for the question. Next week, I'm pretty sure we will be talking about mental health in the Talmud, which will be another fun episode. Um, Another listener question. If you're not a patron, become a patron. If you are a patron, take advantage of your perks. Give us a five-star review on Spotify. Just think happy thoughts about us. Blow us a kiss out the window, and we'll receive it mystically. We love you guys. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov. <laughs>